Oh, it's awesome to come and speak with you guys tonight and share what God's been doing in my life. Um, particularly, um, it's been a journey over the last little while. I feel like each of the sermons that I've been given to preach, every time I'm like, yo, this has been something I've been working on in the last little while. And then, um, yeah, it just happens to be in the series. And tonight we're going to be talking about godly grit. Um, last week, Bevan painted a picture for us of... Um, yeah, the beginning of a series that we're doing, which is Overcoming Evil with Love. And he shared about the Roman Empire during the time when this book, Romans, was written, and about this incredibly terrible leader called Nero, Emperor Nero, and, and how he used to just, yo, he was such a, a selfish and, and um, incredibly evil man, that when something was pitted against him, he was like, no, it was the Christians. And the way he would punish the Christians was just by burning them on stakes as nightlights in his backyard. As well as yeah, beatings and throwing them to animals and all sorts of things, unfair imprisonments. And to be, to be frank, it was just awful being a Christian under the emperor Nero. And it's in this context that Paul decides, you know what, I'm going to write to the Romans where Nero's power was at its strongest, where the persecution was at its worst. And he said these words, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And, um, and this is where we're taking the series from. And tonight I'm going to be looking at, at two of the verses in particular. And it's verses 11 and 12. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And I've titled it Godly Grit. There's something about grit that has captured the world in recent years where people are going, what is this thing about grit? What is it that, that makes people who aren't as clever or as um, politically uh, woke as everyone else around them, but they can still just do better and excel far greater than these people? And one of the greatest things has come down to grit. Now, what is grit? It's that ability to be able to persevere, to keep on enduring, that, that inner drive and passion to go, I need to just keep on going and, and, and strive to what it is that I'm pursuing. How do you get grit? Well, hopefully we'll, we'll see this evening. Now, it's interesting, at PBC, we've spoken a lot about evil, the problem of evil, how it you know, comes about, how Jesus in is, has defeated evil and is starting a new kingdom. 
And, uh, and we realize that there's an active enemy who's causing chaos, that humanity is joined with that enemy until they are transformed by Christ. And if you want to camp out on this topic and, and chat a lot more, I'm, I'm really happy to. But tonight, I want to move on to just a little bit past that, kind of the practical, where the rubber meets the road. And it's the topic that Paul's addressing here is, what do we do when we're facing suffering? Sure, we can ask, why are we suffering? But how do we suffer? In the same way that the book of Job doesn't answer for everyone, why are we suffering? Because, I mean, that was a specific suffering of Job. But it goes through to show how we should suffer. And Job was someone who was an incredibly righteous person, had no reason to be suffering, and ended up suffering greatly. And in the end, his only repentance was for not having enough faith and trust in God and, and for doubting who God was. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit on that side. And Paul says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The word lacking here could be used to mean lazy or slothful or just kind of like negligent um, in our passion for God. When someone passionately believes something, it can either be the most beautiful or the most terrifying thing to witness. For example, suicide bombers who are passionate about their cause are very dangerous to everyone who is in their vicinity. However, those who are passionate about the Lord and His kingdom coming to earth are bringing radical change. Change that brings life and life in its fullness to the darkest and to the toughest places. The reality is, is that we have to be passionate about Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus is something that brings such change to us and then to the world. One of the things that, um, that we see life throwing at us is that sometimes things get just a bit hectic. And these trials come, and we get to see, oof, maybe my passion wasn't what it was. And so we see in the parable of the seeds, it's, a, it's an interesting one, because it often shows about, about trials, and there's the hard one where actually we've become so hardened by life, our hearts are so hard, that we're not even willing to hear what God is saying. Or we hear what, what's said, and we go, wow, that's amazing, that's great. But when the hard times come... We're like, whoa, that is not okay. I'm not, I'm not about this thing. And so we turn away from faith. And then sometimes there's just too many things competing for our soul. There's too many things happening in and around our lives, and it gets completely strangled and suffocated. And so Paul is saying here, don't be lazy in pursuing Jesus and his kingdom. We often think that when we're in a bad place in our faith, we better just keep doing the good things so that we can get into a better place. But the reality is it's something that has to be pursued. We can't be lazy in our passion of Jesus. If we find ourselves in a bad place and, not a, and we're not proactive about getting ourselves into a better place, when the hard times come, we're going to see ourselves either being shallow soil or, or surrounded by things that are going to strangle our faith. But rather, we need to have faith that's established, rooted deeply on the rock of ages, the firm foundation, the cornerstone. And so in Hebrews 12, verse 11, it says, Throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. There's this call, this call to simple living. 
it's something that I've really been seeking out in the last little while, is, is how do I make sure that I'm, I'm pursuing one thing, I'm passionate about one thing, so that the, the simplicity of life can be there. I think so often there's all these other things, and, and I remember being told as a young person who was trying to you know, plan his life, that you know, what you have to do with life is you have to put the big things in, in your bowl first in your life, then you can put the medium things, and then you need to cram as many small things in and around that so you can have a nice full bowl where an incredible amount of stuff fits in. And I understand kind of the logic of prioritizing the, the things that come first and second. Um, but there comes a problem where we have no longer open spaces in our lives for God to be able to go, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm moving, or this is where I'm going now. And we become so cluttered by everything that when God's like, hey, I'm wanting to do some radical work in you right now, we go, hang on, like, I, just need, to, I just need to check my diary because I, I don't know about that. <laughs> this is something that I'm struggling with. This is something that when I look at my diary, I can see the next few months, it's like, Phew, you know, oh, you guys want to come for supper? Okay, well, let me check, you know, next year, February, how's that looking? <laughs> and it becomes a bit crazy. And it comes like that with Jesus. We go, wow, Jesus, oh, man, that is so awesome what you're leading me to. And I'm so excited about that. I want to get that going. And then you look at your life and you go, sure, so, you know, Wednesday evenings I have this, Friday evenings I have this, Saturday evenings I have this, Sunday evenings. You know what, Jesus, maybe for this incredible thing that you're stirring my heart towards, I could give you uh, from three to four on a Monday afternoon. There's something about throwing off all these things that so easily entangle us, that so easily just come and, and snuff out the flame that's in our life. For devotion to be thriving, we need to be committed to the most worthy cause and a commitment that lasts. One of the things that pains me quite deeply is that I look at people who've been doing ministry when I was a teenager and the people who had really big influence in my life and I look at a lot of them and life got really busy and really crazy and slowly a lot of those people moved out of doing ministry and they moved out of living the life that they were so eager for me to, to join in. I look at big movements that are happening where, you know, just a few weeks ago, we were all super passionate about seeing change in our country. But then people become tired. People become, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. That's because there's things that are just pursuing and, and breaking us down. I'm currently trying to fight for a place where in my life I can just freely pursue Jesus and the things that he's doing. But it seems like at every turn the enemy is trying to rob that and trying to take that back. Interestingly, he goes on from there. So he, he says, you know, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. One of the ways in which we, once we've been able to clear out some space in our life and actually go, Jesus, this is for you. This is what I'm pursuing. This is the thing that I'm most devoted to, is to keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Danielle Strickland is... Um, one of these really incredible uh, ladies who is just charging after Jesus, doing incredible things for justice, doing incredible things, impacting those who have been previously abused or have been previously um, hurt and uh, neglected. And she says that for some people, when they're struggling with their faith, they decide that they're going to retreat and go into a place where um, they disengage from the world in order to, to find Jesus. And, he said, and she says that for her, when she's needing a, a boost in her faith, 
she goes to the places where she's so uncomfortable and just tries being obedient to Jesus there, serving him. There's something that happens in surrendered service, something where it's no longer about us and it's about the people that we're serving. And we found out that as we're being people who are being poured out like a drink offering, Jesus is there doing the work. Now, of course, we all need to make sure that we're not like burning ourselves dry. And you do need to realize that that comes after the throwing off everything that hinders us. Um, but Jesus shows this example. Isaiah kind of showed it beforehand, and no one really understood. But he, he paints this picture of a Messiah who's a suffering servant. And we don't understand why Jesus had to suffer. But we do know that he chose to serve in his suffering. He paints an example about not answering the questions, but how we have to suffer. Jesus went through incredible, incredible pain, incredible um, like distress. But he did it for the world. He did it so that evil would be broken. And justice, which is God's undoing doing of evil, will come. Our joining with Christ's example doesn't only begin to undo the evil in the world, but it draws us closer to him. It draws us closer into relationship with him, and it draws us closer to the world. And so, yeah, never lacking in zeal. We need to be pursuing, don't be lazy in pursuing zeal, but keep spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And then it comes to this point, three points, which are like really punchy. He just comes, he throws them out there, and we could stick in this for a long time. Each of these I've been sitting with and just been like, wow, there's a lot in here. Be joyful in hope. It's a crazy thing that so often in the Bible when they talk about suffering, they say it's a joy. In Romans 5, just wrote them all down because there's quite a few now. Um, in Romans 5, verse 3 to 5, it says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that our sufferings produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. In James 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The attitude that we have towards suffering is often one where we go, oh man, this, this really sucks, and it really does. Um, but the Bible reminds us that there's actually something that happens in us in suffering. Perspectives are realigned. One of the, the big moments for this for me was, you know, I'm, I thought I was like game over, I was in grade 11, and I was sick for like a whole term, and I hated it, and it was the worst. But in that time, you kind of just sitting alone, and you're waiting, like, God, like, I'm in so much pain. Either take me now or show me what you want me to do in this time. Um, and in that time, it was a time when I felt the strongest call towards Jesus. It was a time where I realized, actually, you know what, water polo and um, sports are not the most important thing in the world. It was a time when I felt God saying, hey, there's, there's big things that I have for you, and this next year is going to be huge. Start preparing for that. Sometimes in our suffering, it gives us perspective that helps us to see this is where God's leading and calling me to. 
we see that in evil, that the enemy means for harm, the Lord uses it for good. And the most famous of that being in Joseph's story, where his brother, brothers sell him off into slavery, and then he becomes a slave in a house, and there um, he's wrongfully accused and thrown into prison, and there he's forgotten about. But from there, he gets an opportunity to be raised up to be the second most important person in Egypt and provide for his family who would later become the nation of Israel. And he says that. You may have intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. The next part is patience in affliction. This is one that we get frustrated with, but the Bible also reminds us, and especially in the book of 1 Peter, that we're foreigners, we're sojourners, we're travelers just coming in and through. I started running this last week. It's a terrible idea. It's a form of self-harm, so just watch yourselves if you're runners. Um, And one of the things that I do to make sure that I can actually get through this is I run for four minutes, and I walk for one, and I run for four minutes, and I walk for one, and I run for four minutes, and I walk for one. Now, four minutes is not a long time. You've already been listening for well over four minutes. I'm aware of that. Um, But when I'm running, the first few minutes, I'm like, yes, being healthy, this is great. By the end of those, like, when it's like three minutes, 50, I'm like, (gasps) I'm really not fit, guys. It's bad. And my lungs are bursting. My heart is pounding. My head's getting a little bit fuzzy. There's sweat dripping in my eyes. It's a good thing I'm married to a doctor so she could just, you know, check me out. Yeah, if it all goes bad. But then I get to that one minute and I get to be rejuvenated and strength and restored. And afterwards, I'll be lying on my bed and I'll just feel like all the endorphins just like flowing through me. I'll be like, wow, that was terrible, but this is great. Um, (laughs) And it's the same way with suffering now. We often struggle to think that our whole lifetime is like four minutes when it comes to eternity. But the reality is, whatever struggles we're going to face now, it is just for a short while. And he promises reward after it. He says there's freedom, there's heaven, the kingdom of heaven. I think so often we forget that after life, there is life in its fullness. Life that is abundant, life that is amazing, life where there's no more hurt and pain and suffering. And so in our suffering, there's this patience. And that's part of the hope that we have, is that there's a hope in the future, there's a patience in now. And then the last one is faithful in prayer. It's probably the most underrated exercise of the 21st century. And I can understand when people get upset with people who just say after a tragic disaster, you know, thoughts and prayers are with you. Because our response does have to require action. But also there's a deep misunderstanding about the power of prayer. The reality is that we get to encounter Jesus and God of all creation, the Holy Spirit. We get to partner with with them. We get to spend time being shaped and molded by them. It's like an oasis in the middle of the desert where we get to come and spend time with Jesus, be restored, be renewed. I know for me, that's often the spaces in which I get regenerated. We get to participate with him in undoing the things that are causing evil and suffering. The reality is, is that if our ministries are not founded on prayer and a commitment to following God's will, We're just running programs. 
And the reality is, is that if our relationships with Jesus are not committed to prayer and committed to being altered to align with God's will, then we're just following religious practices. And so to sum it all up, don't be lazy in being passionate about Jesus. Serve Him, bringing His kingdom. God uses the suffering for our good. Rejoice. God asks us to be patient in this short time because He knows what's ahead. And He wants us to be praying faithfully, partnering with Him. Now, I know for tonight, there's a lot of people who are going to be in very different spaces. And hearing this, there's probably different things that have come out and struck you and gone, yo, but Josh, like, suffering really sucks. And I want us to take a step back and acknowledge that it does. And I want to acknowledge that in the time of suffering, often it, it clouds in everything else around us. And it's difficult to set our eyes on Jesus. But I also want us to think about how we're suffering. How are we using the things that are the hardest parts of our lives to bring glory to Jesus? How are we using the moments that could potentially crush us and turn them into moments that crush the enemy? And the reality is, is that suffering often needs, suffering people often need family around them, support around them. And that's why we're part of a body. If one part of the body hurts, the whole body is hurting. And so we come and we help that, body that's hurt, that part of the body that's hurting. And so tonight, if you are in a place where you're struggling with suffering, we want to come and step alongside in whatever way that is. And so come and ask for prayer. Come and get prayer. And we'd love to do that with you. If you're in a place where you're not suffering yet, um, dig roots, dig deep, build on a firm foundation. Start to, de- to clear away the clutter that's going to come and try and entangle you. Because at the end of the day, when suffering comes, either that's going to go or your faith's going to go. So I'm going to end with prayer. And we have the worship team come up. If you're wanting prayer for either of those spaces, we would love to pray with you. Uh, there's a bunch of people around here who would love to pray with you. So if you know someone who loves the Lord, um, yeah, grab them. Get prayer. We're a family. We're a body.